Boom. What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Soccer Comic Rant. My name is Ian Edwards. Ignore that name tag down there that says Aaron Grungard. That's the producer for the show from All Things Comedy. And I just broke into his account to do this. Uh, we're going to talk about the FA Cup games, Liverpool not handling their business against Brighton Hove and uh, losing again. We're going to talk about Manchester United sun in Reading and getting results, you know. It's a, it's a good thing, but we'll talk about it more. Uh, we'll talk about me rooting for my first uh, non-league team, Wrexham, and our first result as me as a fan of theirs. And, uh, you know, other FA Cup scores, any transfers, and the midweek semifinal games between Southampton and Newcastle, who Southampton is going to beat, and uh, Man United versus Nottingham Forest, who I hope will, hope we could still just finish the job. So we got Lee Hudson, stand-up comic, uh, by way of England, Southampton fam, fan. What up, Lee? How you feeling? Hey, I'm all good. I've just come back off a four-hour drive from Liverpool, so uh, I'm feeling fresh. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, before the show up there tonight, I was sat in a in a pub watching uh, Wrexham, Sheffield United. So I've been keeping uh, been keeping tabs on the football today. Still, oh, good. I'm glad you was watching my new team, my new my new <laughs> non-league team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I saw them play today for the first time, but I guess. Well, because I don't watch the doc, but everybody here that doesn't watch soccer tells me about the doc. And <laughs> so that that's good. So I was like, all right, let me let me watch a Wrexham play. And, uh, and that was pretty much that's a roller coaster. That's a theme park game. That's up and down. That's loops. That game had everything. But uh, I guess we want to talk about, first and foremost, the team in crisis form. And the team in crisis form is Liverpool. It's like Liverpool is such a great team. Like the in their recent history, it's weird to see them not get results, even if it's against decent opposition, which Brighton Hope is more than decent opposition. But to like we've said what the issue is, and it's probably their midfield, but if you look at all the metrics of this game, like Brighton Hove outperformed Liverpool in all the metrics of this game. I'm going to try to bring it up on my phone. Let's go to Brighton, Liverpool. They outscored them in the score. They outshot them. They outshot them on target. They out-possessed them, they out-passed them, they out-passed accuracy them, they, uh, let me see, they out-cornered them, offsides was even, uh, general play, they out-general played them, let's see, attack, they out-shot, blocked them, uh, the only thing Liverpool won was shots off target. 
you know, that's the only thing that Liverpool won. And defense-wise, Liverpool had 19 clearances, which means they were under duress. But, you know, Brighton Hope also had 14 clearances, which means it, it was a pretty even game. And uh, one more stat is Brighton Hope had nine interceptions to Liverpool's eight. So Brighton Hope out-intercepted them. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's tough to put into words what Liverpool is going through. They finished the league last year second on the last day. And I think there was a point in the last game of the season where they actually had the league, but then Man City came back against, like, I think, Villa to like regain the title. And uh, it's just... And you see Klopp falling apart on the sidelines and in his interviews, like, it's tough to lose. So it's tough to see a man who had so much confidence the last few years, who gave sound interviews, like come off kind of incoherent or making excuses. But we know Liverpool has a ton of injuries. The team is at the end of the cycle. So we just don't know if he's going to stick around to fix this thing. But it's a great goal by Matoma. Like, you know, he cost $2 million. And then you look at Gakpo and you look at Darwin Nunes and all the money they cost and the goal that he scored today. It was just phenomenal for two and a half mil. And he was terrorizing them all game. You know, Liverpool took out Alexander Trent Arnold, who was getting terrorized by Matoma a little bit, but he did Alexander to his Trent defense. He did save a a shot off the line in the beginning of the game and uh, I cleared a header on a corner. So he, he did do some defensive stuff. And I see what Pe- I see what Klopp is trying to do. He's trying to rotate his midfield in the middle of games. He, he never lets like the same midfield start the game and finish it. So he's trying to keep up the intensity. But so he pretty much changes his midfield by the end of the game to, to figure out and see if that's a way to kind of solve the, the the problem of not creating enough pressure on the offense. But that shit did not work against Brighton Hope, man. They are not staying in their lane and they love playing Liverpool and they beat them again and they knocked them out of the FA Cup. The current FA Cup champs have been knocked out. Like, what are your thoughts on this? Um, I mean, like you say, props to Matoma for his performance and that goal was incredible just the composure to be that close to goal with that many players mm-hmm. around him and to take those three touches, like the first one to control the ball, the second one, the fake to the shoot and like to knock the ball back inside. And then just, he got the second or the third touch really quickly as well, because he was about to be shut down. So he basically, he did everything he needed to do in that situation so perfectly. Um, but he's just a really good player. He, um, you know, he's always looking to take people on or running behind. Um, his movement in the box is clever as well. Um, and he's a hard worker too, out of possession. So um, he's, you know, he's been such a good good find for Brighton. Um, but Brighton under De Zerbi, they're, um, they're a tough team right now for anyone to face at any level. Like they're, um, 
they took a few games to sort of adapt to his style because although he does something similar to Potter, he's also got his very own sort of defined style. There's a little bit, um, I think, more refinement to what he does and a little bit less... Um, obviously, Potter would change it up a little bit, whereas De Zerbi's a little bit more fundamental. Um, he's probably mm-hmm. closer to sort of a, a Guardiola-type style of football, um, De Zerbi, and that's how his Sassuolo team played in previous years as well when he was in Serie A. So um, it was going to be interesting to see whether or not he could translate it into a foot, you know, into a team where it's not his first language um, in a different league kind of thing. And yeah, it took them a few games, but I mean, they're flying right now. Every team they play, they're, they're dominating really. Um, but they can also counter-attack quickly um, as well. So they can really like hurt you in so many ways right now. And they've just got players that are elevating their levels. Like Matoma, like I say, he's come in and he wasn't that known. He's playing... Like he's one of the most informed players in the world right now, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Solly March, he's been at Brighton for a long time. He's been fairly consistent, but he seems to have gone up a level uh, under De Zerbi as well. So, I mean, everything they're doing right now, Brighton even rotated their goalkeeper today and were fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, you've got a feel for Liverpool because it's a weird one. Like, They've, yeah, they've come to the end of a cycle. They've got injuries, but the squad they have and the teams they're putting out should be doing better than they are. Um, so there's definitely an underperformance as well as mitigating circumstances and context as to why they're not quite at the levels they used to be. But they should only have dropped down. You know, they should have gone from being a top two team to maybe a top six team with these injuries and with these cycle changes because they still got Salah. Like they still got, you know, Trent. They still got. Van Dyke, they still got Allison. They they've still got really key players that have been playing at such a high high level for them over the last few years, and they should still they shouldn't have slipped to the levels they have. And the longer this goes on, the more you have to question Klopp. Like I know he's got a lot of credit in the bank there, so I don't think he's getting fired anytime soon. But I wonder if maybe at the end of the season, if he if he he would maybe walk away from it and go, I can't bring this back. Um, because he looks emotionally like spent right now, like you were saying, like mm-hmm. he looks he looks frustrated. So that does make me wonder or not whether he's got the the energy and the desire to get through this and start that new cycle, um, or whether he'll just go, I've done all I can here, I've won all I can here, I'm gonna call it a day and have a rest and then pick up somewhere else at some point because like yeah, he's you know he's he's won the big trophies there. Um, and right now I, you think when they lose a few games, it'll be okay. You know, this is a temporary dip in form, but the temporary dip in form is becoming pretty it's, prolonged. It's their form. Yeah. It's their form. Yeah. Yeah. Dip in um, form is their form. Yeah. So that's, that's got to be concerning if you're a Liverpool fan, because yeah, the longer it's gone on, the less it becomes a blip and it becomes like you say, that's, that's just how you're playing. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And I mean, where they are in the league, like I say, the squad of players they've got available, even with the injuries and stuff, they should still be doing better than that. So um, it's hard to see where they go from here, really. Um, whether or not Klopp does try and change things up, um, I don't know. But yeah, it's um, not an easy situation to sort of fall from the heights that they have done. Um, 
to the level they are. But I mean, you know, they've they've gone through a rocky season before. There was a season where they had a bunch of injuries and lost out to City, but still they still finished like reasonable. But this is way beyond beyond that. So yeah, yeah they stole the um, Champions League spot that late that year. Like, but mm. uh man, this is like and and I, I didn't realize how much I like Klopp, which I'm not supposed to, because I'm a United <laughs> fan until I see him like mumbling like he's got Alzheimer's in these interviews and <laughs> complaining about how many games they played and making excuses. And I and the fact that I feel bad for him is like, oh shit, you like Kloppy. You like him as a person. Like he's he's a good thing for football. So when a good thing for football is like hurting and seems helpless and doesn't know what to do, and you're not used to seeing him like that, you're like, shit. Like I feel bad for him. I'm I'm glad United yeah. is doing good and that it it feels like this is Liverpool's form and we don't have to worry about them challenging for the top four so far right now. Um, hopefully we can create more distance and we don't have to worry about somebody like Liverpool or Chelsea creeping up behind us. But yeah, if I was Liverpool, I'd be worried because you've also spent money. When you spend money and you're not getting results, that's at least you could be like, well, we didn't spend any money and we needed to do this. But you spent money and look at where you are. So good luck, Liverpool. And I don't mean that. Uh, I want to talk about uh, Man United's like performance against Reading at Old Trafford. Uh, that was on Saturday. And I woke up to watch that. And yeah, man, Man United is handling their business. I think last season, games like this, for the past few seasons period, we'd have to worry about teams like Reading. I think we went out to Middlesbrough in the FA Cup last year, either in the FA Cup or in the Caribou Cup. So, like, we had to worry about teams like this normally. And uh, this was a formality. And we're making teams like this be a formality. And uh, and then we have... This is going to be tough to pick the player of the year. Not because... Last year it was tough to pick the player of the year because everybody was shitty and they had an off season but this time it's tough to pick the player of the year because there's so many players who are stepping up and becoming candidates for player of the year like you know you, you have performances from rashford who scored and they took the goal away and it doesn't make sense that they took it away because that ball came off a defender and it was played intentionally by him so even though i think it was wakehorse what was offside when he received the ball he received it from the opposition defender. So I'm still confused about why that was called offside and Rashford didn't get his uh, 10th or 11th goal at Old Trafford in a row and break the record. So that's pretty confusing. But we got two from Casemiro and we got one from Fred and Anthony. He's learning to like dribble right and use his right foot, which is great. And he's also learned how to come up the middle of the pitch and create a problem that way so that he can use his left or find a pass like he did to Casemiro. So he's he's finding solutions and becoming more dynamic, which we need him to. And he's 21 or 22, so I'm not going to come down hard on him. He's playing at the Premier League. It's the toughest league in the world, so everybody says. So you can't just shit on somebody 
who are struggling when they're in their early 20s with a price tag on their head and in the toughest league in the world, you have to give that person a chance to become who they're going to become. We got to be patient. We got to show some love and we're not losing with him. And uh, I'm sure I have full confidence that he'll catch up. Like, you know, like we have him for a few years, guys. Relax. And uh, uh, the only thing that pissed me off is that Redding got one goal back and that Erickson also got injured. So then we're down a midfielder. We don't have Vanderbeek. So it's a bad thing. And it's a good thing because we have so many games. We're going to have to get game time for other people. So hopefully we can see Zidane Iqbal. Maybe Ten Hag would be forced to use him. I think this guy could be very effective. I don't know why he's not being used now. Uh, I know Ten Hag's policy is like to win every game in front of you. And I like that policy, but this squad is thin in certain areas. So Casemiro, Erickson, and people like Bruno are going to need a rest at some point. But yeah, man, we uh, handled Reading and uh, they had one moment where they looked threatening. And that was uh, at the end of the first half when Malassia like, thought he had time to control the ball and the guy took the ball from him and got a shot off. But I think De Gea saved that. But, but yeah, these are we're winning the games we should win in the way we should win them. And we're handling teams we should handle. And we're sunning them. The crowd is comfortable as we watch these games and we're, home is becoming a fortress. So I like what United is doing right now. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's, a, it's fun watching the highlights of that one. Um, mm-hmm. Just some good attacking play. You know, Rashford was, even though he didn't get his goal, which he deserved, um, he, he was still doing his thing. And, you know, that's good for you that he can hopefully just carry that form on. Um it's nice to see Fred just reminding everyone that he's Brazilian with that finish as well. He's like, yeah, just yeah, you, know, can, you know, let you guys know I can still do shit like this. <laughs> but can he do that when he starts? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I need to see Fred play like that when he starts. Like right now, he's becoming like, right, we won't get rid of you. We'll keep you for the bench. But we'll, we'll, we'll keep you for a squad player. But I need, I need to see that energy when you start. I think he gets unfair criticism. I think he's useful. He's just not, he's not on like Casemiro's level um, no, no. or Ericsson's level, but with Ericsson getting injured, you might need him. So um, these next few weeks, it wouldn't surprise me if he starts against Forrest in that second leg. Right. Um, just because obviously I think, I think you can afford to rotate a little bit in that game now. Um, yeah. <laughs> not like to crazy levels, but you can afford to yeah. like, if there's, if there's anyone who's like, you know, in the red zone in terms of their output recently, like they're, 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 there's people like if you needed to rest Bruno in that game, you could rest Bruno. I don't think you could change your whole 11, but mm-hmm. you could you could you could leave a couple out or like Rashford, one of the like you you don't want to leave them all out, but you can definitely afford to drop one or two and, and give them some uh, some rest before the important games. Yeah, I mean. I like how serious Ten Hag is taking these games, even the ones against Reading. So we'll see. 
there's times this week when the and this season when the squad was stretched and he figured out solution. I'm glad Duran and Martinez got to rest this game. We played Lingard and Maguire, and they did a good job. So I give them props for that. Uh, United's in trouble, though. You know we're in trouble because, like, I've been watching these videos from these channels about FFP and uh, you know what they allow. So next season, I think we're only going to be allowed. Football teams are only going to be used allowed to use a maximum of 70% of their salary or income or profit or whatever they make to, to uh, pay their players. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And we're already at this year at 86%. So we have a bunch of players that are do new contracts and we're already over this FFP salary cap. So my question is, whether we sell or not, like, how does the sale affect these rules? And if they don't affect these rules and we have to get salaries down to 70%, will we lose Rashford or some people who are very important to us just to stay within the 70%? And how much... FFP could really hurt us next year. And it's funny, I see some of the channels like doing these things, transfer window things like who we should get. And I'm like, how could you even be considering that shit when this article was just put out and I think it was The Athletic this week. Like, So I think we're in trouble. I mean, you know what step one should be though, don't you? Just finally sell, finally sell Phil Jones. <laughs> He's earning like one million pounds a year. It was you guys or something crazy. I, I want like to sell Phil Jones. It, it, it won't solve the whole thing, but it would be a start. The guy hasn't played football it's, in about five years. It's four point five mil. We say even if we say we get rid of Phil Jones. Yeah. But, uh, so, somebody sent me this. I don't think it was you guys. So let me find <laughs> this Phil Jones thing. <laughs> let me see. Oh, yeah, it wasn't you guys then. So, you see this? I disappeared. I right, here it is. Oh. Son of a... Can you read that? When my career finishes and I'm enjoying my retirement, the keyboard warriors will... I can't read that now. <laughs> I'll still read it. So, Phil Jones said, when my career is finished and I'm enjoying my retirement, the keyboard warriors will still be in their mom's spare room <laughs> sipping flat Pepsi and eating a, p- a pot noodle and stirring in their boxes on Twitter. That's That can't be a real quote. I mean... Surely not. <laughs> <laughs> feels like it. I mean, the guy's not played for... so He's barely played any games in so many seasons now. It feels like he's, he's played- just getting paid... To train, <laughs> I, I, we don't even know if he's training. We don't know if he's training, but we do know he's yeah. making four point five mil from what, like, I, I sourced. But it, it's crazy. But yeah, Phil Jones, we got to get him off the books. You had a good time, Phil. You made some money. You got enough money to retire. But we got to save the rest of this team and put that money 
back so that, <laughs> you know, we, we can't have you sinking the club or contributing to the sinking of the club. That So as people are like Glazers out, I'm like Phil Jones out more than Glazers out. Uh, you want to talk about our new team, Wrexham? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was a game I watched today. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a, that was a fun game. Um, I mean, their fans created a good atmosphere in the stadium there. Uh, Ryan Reynolds is in attendance as well. Um, and, you know, they played good, aggressive football. Like, they were trying to press Sheffield United. They were trying to get at them. Um and yeah, that game just swung every which way, you know. Sheffield United went 1-0 up, Wrexham went 2-1 up, got back to 2-2, Sheffield United. Then they had a player sent off, Wrexham go 3-2 up, and then Sheffield United equalised right at the end to take it to yeah. a replay. And I kind of feel like Wrexham needed to get it done today. Yeah. Because, um, you know, Sheffield United are a strong championship team and playing them, because the pitch was a bit shit there. I know they're getting that, um, Hollywood, you know, Ryan Reynolds, Rob McKelney money and that TikTok sponsorship money. But that pitch was terrible and I don't think it suited Sheffield United at all. Um, mm. So, yeah, going back to play them on a better pitch at Bramall Lane with, you know, Sheffield United sort of being the more, probably the, the fitter team as well. I think it will benefit them uh, having that extra fixture and they'll they'll get the job done this time. Um, but yeah, I think that it was kind of a chance blown for Wrexham. 3-2 up against 10 players. You've got, to, uh, you've got to defend a little bit tighter than that. Um, but, you know, I mean, it was a National League team, albeit a National League team with a good budget, but a National League team nonetheless playing against a team who are like, you know, second or third in the championship. So Yeah, I think they're like second. Yeah, so it's an admirable performance, you know, really like big achievement to even take it to a replay, to be honest. But they got to be upset. It will feel like a loss to them with the way um, it went down at the end there. So, but I mean, slight justice because I think the red card that Sheffield United got was quite bizarre. Mm. Um, the fourth official gave it. Um, he called the ref over. It wasn't even a VAR thing. He called the ref over to just say, I saw something off the ball. And they're claiming a player kicked out at another player, but he sort of bumps into him while he's running for a ball. I don't really know what's happening on it. So <clears throat> kind of a bizarre um kind of a bizarre red card, which um yeah, they went three two down after that. So yeah, I think probably a fair result overall. But I mean it was great to see the passion from the Wrexham fans, especially when they went two one up, that place erupted. Mm-hmm. Um it went pretty crazy. So um yeah, I mean, I'd love for them to get it done in the in the next uh, in the replay. I'd love for them to turn it and um, get a win away from home to go through, just to you know keep a non-league team in the tournament. But I mean, I can't right. see it happening. I think Sheffield United will. Um, I think they'll be fairly comfortable uh, in the replay, but <clears throat> would love to be proven wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be tough. It was a great game. Like for my, you know, I was as a I'm a one day Wrexham fan. And I, when they, <laughs> not a day I, one, I a one day, <laughs> a, a, a one day Wrexham fan. And I was gutted like a five day Wrexham fan. Uh, but uh, we, uh, and I say we Wrexham, Wrexhamites or Wrexhamoxes. <laughs> I don't know what they call us. You know what I mean? But, you know, it, it's a great first game. This is great for them because. People are watching a documentary in America. 
or, or wherever they're watching it. And then they can get access to this team's game in America through ESPN or however, wherever in the world. Like people probably like watch their first Wrexham game live for the, in, in this contest. And this will put, this is the perfect game, whether they lose the next one, this is the perfect game for people who watch the documentary and are falling in love with this team to like make them really love the team in an actual live game. And then there's one more game, you know? So then this, this extra game will make the, no, no matter how it goes, will make people actually see them live more because you can't get national league games, right? Anywhere, really? Are they broadcast anywhere? Uh, no. Non-national. <laughs> well, well, okay, occasionally, um, they're on BT Sport here, National League Games. Mm-hmm. Um, but they only like pick one now and again. They're not like a regular thing. Right, um, so this Wrexham I- team is going to get two games in a very short period of time. And they have this documentary. And people are falling in love with them through the documentary. So this is great for them, you know? So, but it was heartbreaking to see them. Uh, yeah. Like, but it, it also tells a story of football in a very accurate way for people who are new to this and are going to like fall in love with the game through this team. But you're right. It's going to be tough to win it against Sheffield United. One of the best teams in the championship. Uh, what do you think about the Moyes Salcedo situation and Brighton Hove and him trying to force <laughs> a move and write I mean, that post? I think it'd be a great, uh, great signing for Arsenal if they can get hold of him. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, if Xhaka or, uh, if Xhaka or Partey aren't available, there's a big drop off in quality in that team. Like, I like El Nene. He's a, He's, you know, he's a competent stand-in, but he's not an outstanding player. He's, um, like, he'll come in, he'll do a job, he'll be fine if they're playing like a bottom half team. But if one of those guys is missing and they're playing a, you know, top six team, then I don't think he's quite good enough for that level. So someone like that to come in and provide some competition into their centre midfield, I think is is what they need. Um, so I think he'd be a great buy there. And you know, I mean, I'm basing it on one game, the Man City game on Friday, but I mean, the one player they brought from Brighton so far, Trossard, looked, he looked lively on that game on Friday. So, um, you know, if they can get another player from Brighton, I mean, Brighton's a place to buy players from right now. Um, it's 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 pretty I'm, crazy, so. I'm worried about Brighton, though. Like, so, let me see where Brighton is in the league, right? In the Premier League. So, let me go to the Premier League. And go to. Uh, I'm just waiting for my phone to pick it up. For the Premier League, this is at matches. How do I not see normally see? Uh, okay, standings. So. Brighton are six. They got 31 points. So they have a spot in Europe. Right? 
and mm-hmm. you lose Saicedo. I, I feel like, I, like I watched them beat Liverpool today. I seen them beat other teams, and I'm like, yeah, you're a selling team, right? Because you get players cheap, but you know how much more money you can make if you stop selling. But the problem is you can't. That, I mean. Those players yeah, get their heads turned. They, they, I, I, I know this because we went through it. Southampton. This was Southampton a few years ago. This is yeah, Southampton. Yeah, yeah. Hundred yeah. yeah, percent. Like you're the, you know, like you, you, it's a dangerous slope to become the feeder team for the league and for all the top teams. Which is what, mm-hmm. like, like look where Southampton is now. Like all that shit, all those sales, all that money has affected you guys. You're twentieth, and Brighton Hove, it's a slippery slope. Like, I mean. Selling a player gives you way more money than even being in the Europa League. <laughs> you know, it gives you even more. Selling a player for, for 60 mil gives you more money than being in the Europa League. It gives you more money than getting to the semifinals of the Champions League, right? Like, do we always talk about you need that Champions League money? And that's why, and it helps you get players. What the Champions League pays compared to what it costs to be in the top four, to be in the Champions League, it doesn't balance out to me. It's bad bookkeeping. But I, I, I want, but I want Brighton Hove to like get some prestige. So this is going to be tough to keep the players that they got because, like you said, the players' heads are turned. But it depends on what the management wants. If they're like, hey, your heads are getting turned by these teams, but if you stay, we can become those teams. But I think then, it's hard, though, for, for a club of that size to, to keep players, though, because you can tell players all you want, but if, they, you know, if, they, if they've dreamt when they were younger of playing for you know, Arsenal or Chelsea or Man United or Liverpool or someone... Mm-hmm. Like staying at Brighton doesn't have quite. And if once a player has sort of mentally checked out, it's hard to get them back. Um, mm-hmm. And that that's the problem that smaller clubs would always have. And even if it's not even an ambition thing, it's sometimes a wages thing. Like he'll be able to quadruple yeah. at least quadruple his wages going for one of those moves. And you know, unless you're like a Newcastle who gets a whole bunch of money that enables you to jump into that bracket, mm-hmm. the same way Man City did all those years ago as well. Um, no. then it's impossible really to keep those players. Like you might be able to keep hold of them for another season, but um, there's a shelf life on it. I mean, look at how quickly, you know, even like Leicester, they won the league, but they couldn't keep hold of players. So they got all they the way have... to all the way to the top and all the way to Champions League. And then they still lost, you know, Kante, Mares, um, like they're real key players, Maguire even. Oh no, Maguire was afterwards, but yeah. Yeah, yeah Maguire was after. I mean, they only wa- lost one player the year after they won. And that was Conti. And then Mars yeah, was, was the after. year after. So, you know, they, they you know, if Con- if Conti just stayed one more year, uh, I'm not sure they would have won. But <laughs> uh, he did he won. So it didn't even matter. He won with Chelsea. But uh but Brighton has to figure out a way more than Southampton did and other clubs like this to keep the feeding like and then so here's their issue too like you know we, we know about Chelsea 
and Chelsea not just took Graham Potter from them, but their entire like data and scouting team. So we don't even know if they would ever be able to like replant the people that they have the wherewithal to to like replenish whoever they sell before they did. But now the people who bought the players for them have been bought by the bigger teams. So they've they've got a really big um recruitment team there. I know that much. Um Still and also right? yeah and also oh, like cool. they some guys came in with Potter and they were mm-hmm. they were functioning pretty well at Brighton before Potter came in in terms of the players they were buying. So um I think they'll be fine. They've gone through changes of director of football as well. They had Dan Ashworth for a while and then he got poached by Newcastle. Um mm-hmm. so they've they've gone through changes before there. I think they're very uh, they're a very good club at um succession planning behind the scenes like they'll know like i mean any any good club now has to be with those sort of things because you can't afford to have your whole operation fall down because one person behind the scenes leaves so um yeah i i'm fairly confident they'll be able to keep up what they're doing um but you know casado probably going to go and then you've got to wonder who's coming knocking on the door next you know will it be matoma in the summer is someone going to try and come and take him in the summer people are Definitely going to try to get <laughs> Matoma. There's no way, like, people are just going to let Matoma be doing that shit at Brighton. Like, <laughs> there's teams below them that have more history that could pull Matoma. You know what mm. I mean? Yeah. So, and there's teams that could do with a player like that right now. So, it'll be interesting to see. But, yeah, it's, like I say, I've, I've been through that position uh, as a Saints fan. So, I know how it feels um, and it's up to them to try and, you know, keep their levels where they're at, even with player turnover, because it's unavoidable, unfortunately. Yeah, because if they, if they hang on to Saicedo, I hope he gets over not being sold. I mean, it's good for Arsenal if they get him, but if he stays, it's good for Brighton. And, and then, uh, you know, like, why not just play in a Europa League, just, you know, see how it goes. Get get the spot, you know. You know, enjoy enjoy some of that, and then maybe that'll encourage people, and then maybe go far in that contest, and then maybe that'll, you know, be encouraging. So we'll we'll, we'll see though. Uh, what did I want to hit up? So does Everton have a a coach yet? Um, it's looking like it's Dyche. I don't think it's been confirmed. Um, but it, to all intents and purposes, it sounds like it's Dyche. Because there was that whole hilarious situation during the week where... Um, Dan Juma. Marcelo, Mar- Marcelo Bielsa flew oh. into England, went and spoke to Everton, told them that the squad isn't smart enough to learn his methods in the time frame needed to keep them up so could he manage the under 23 team Mm -hmm. uh, for 12 million pounds a season or 12 million pounds or something like that um until the end of the season and then if they stay up he'll take them over um what's more true that that uh phil jones message that i read to you or that is that real probably that i mean marcelo bielsa is a mad fucker um Mm -hmm. he's pretty crazy so it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I even said on the podcast last week that 
Bielsa isn't the guy I think that they should hire because it, because of that, because of the fact that his methods take time to learn and he's a, he's a manager you hire in the off-season so that he's got right. time to work with the players. Or if you're going to hire in mid-season, it needs to be like pre-World Cup so that he could come in and work with players and, and get them used to his style. So it doesn't surprise me that that's how that went down. Um, the whole under-23 thing is bizarre if true. Um, but I mean... Daish is probably the sort of guy who would bring the quickest effect, I think. And it sounds like that's who they're going to go for. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how um, how that manifests oh, over the next... Uh, Everton's new manager, Sean Daish, latest. And, uh, so I think it's confirmed. I'm looking at the echo. Is that a reputable paper <laughs> over there? Um, I don't, I don't, it's, it's not, I, the club haven't like announced it yet, but I think he's been there and signed things and stuff. I, 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 it's not announced on the club accounts okay. yet. They've announced the Gordon uh, sale. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to get to. It's like, so he forced this sale kind of. Um, that's uh, the way I'd heard it is a bit weird in that they, they they were going to accept a bid from Newcastle, mm-hmm. um, but they told Gordon that he had to submit a transfer request. Because if he formally submits a transfer request, it means he's not entitled to a payout from Everton. Because mm. if a player gets sold without submitting a transfer request, I think they're due some of their wages or something. Um, or something like so that. And did, I think they, they asked so him he did to do it. So this is like the last Batman when he told Harvey, like, <laughs> sometimes the hero has to be the villain. Yeah. So then he's like, all right, I'll do that. People will hate me, but I'll save you some money and I'll get out of this toxic environment. And yeah. I'll be it. Because, I mean, club. he's not going to be, uh, he's not going to be um, short of a few, few pounds at, uh, <laughs> at Newcastle. So he can, uh, he can stand to, uh, to miss out on that extra bit of money. But I mean, I don't know if that is the full truth. Right. It's got to be a gut punch to the fans who are like, they're losing everything. Points, players, coaches. And the only thing they can't lose, which they want to lose, is their board. Like, somehow, that survives. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't even think Daesh can save them. He's the best like option, but I don't think he can save them. But good for Anthony Gordon. He's going to be like coached by Eddie Howe, and it's going to give him a chance to get into the... He's English? He is, yeah. So this gives him a chance to get into the uh, to the England squad by yeah, the I mean, World Cup. I, personally, I think everyone's a winner in this because... Like you say, for Gordon, he gets to go to Newcastle, he gets to earn more money, he gets to potentially play in the Champions League next season, and he gets to work with a coach who has improved pretty much every player at Newcastle since he's been there. Um, mm-hmm. So he's working with a coach that's going to improve his game. And I think for Everton, like if you look at the stats, Gordon hasn't really done much this season for them. I mean, no one's really done much for Everton this season, but he's not really been that effective. He's an exciting player, and I think he'll be more effective at Newcastle. Um, but you know, Everton are getting a big fee and if they spend it wisely, that could be 
the difference. Because I, I don't think Gordon would have cut them up. <laughs> you said if they spend it wisely, is everything that's the that's 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 the big that's the money biggest. wisely, man. That is uh, <laughs> if Everton. If there's one thing Everton knows how to do, is how to not spend money wisely. <laughs> I mean, you say that there are some times they have spent wisely. Richardson was a wise buy. Yeah, that was like a few years ago out of one out of like how many, you know? <laughs> They've had some others. I, I, I like I like Onana, who they signed. Yeah, and summer, Gray, I think... Amari, Damari Gray has done good stuff for them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. They get, like, they get like, some right. Yeah, they like <laughs> Alex Ferguson. Most of his transfers were a thousand percent on point, but then there were the odd ones. These people are like, you know, even Alex Ferguson can get it wrong twice a day, you know, like a <laughs> clock. But even Everton can get it right twice a day. And uh, well, who knows? They say they might. They might go out and just find a player who's going to keep them up for that money. Who knows? By Tuesday. Um, I mean, they, they 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 probably won't. They probably won't. But they're probably buying another midfielder. They <laughs> <laughs> like you, you, you but, need a forward, guys. But yeah, I mean, it's like I was saying, I, I don't think, I don't think um, Gordon would have been good enough to keep them up in terms of the type of player he is. He wasn't, he wasn't contributing enough for them this season, I don't think. I mean, he didn't even start the game against us. Uh, I don't know. When do you guys play next? Oh, you play midweek against... Yeah, we got Newcastle. Newcastle. <laughs> So you don't think you stand, think you stand a chance, nothing on Tuesday? Mm. I mean, we've got a small outside chance, but I mean, we didn't even play that great against Blackpool um, <laughs> this weekend. So, did you win in the FA Cup against Blackpool? Yeah, we won two one. Um, we were two 0 up, and apparently we were comfortable for like a part of it, but then we let them back in. We started playing a bit sloppy, which is worrying against a Championship team. Uh, or it might even be a League One team. I can't remember what division they're in now, Blackpool. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, we rested some players though, like Ward Prowse didn't play. Shea Adams was on the bench, I think. Um, no Shea Adams, that's huge. <laughs> Walker Peters. Um, I mean, he's our starting forward this season Walker so far. Peters. Yeah. Um, but Roman Perrault, the left, the French left back, uh, with no Ward Prowse, he got to take a free kick and he scored a great free kick. Um, right. And then he ran into the box from left back and scored a goal to make it 2-0. So he got a left back, got both goals for us. Um, that's how right. bad our strikers are. We had to have a left back step up and score two against a championship <laughs> team. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, we're through to the next round. It didn't sound convincing, but we did rotate a bit. So I'm not reading too much into it I just hope that we can uh, we can do something against Newcastle but I'm not hopeful like I say I, I our chance to try and get something out of this was to win the home game and then mm-hmm. hope that we could maybe get a draw up there or something but we're 1-0 down I don't think we can go up there and turn that around um, especially given how tight Newcastle are at the back so yeah I'm not I'm not I'm not confident I'm not banking on anything I'm assuming that this is the end of the road for us in this competition. What about, uh, uh, what's, what's up with Ariba? Like, to me, 
in the preseason, he was your most promising player. Is he injured or something? No, he's just in and out of the team. He started uh, the weekend. Um, he started other games under Jones, but he's not been playing well when he has been in. I don't think they quite know what his best position is. Um, there was rumours he was going to leave in January as well. But Jones has come out and said, no, I like him. I've tried to sign him before. I want to keep him. Okay. Um, but I still don't think they're quite figuring out how he functions in the system at the moment and where best to play him. But I mean, I, I like him. I hope they can find a way like to get the best too. out of him because I, I think he's a really effective player and he's a goal threat as well when he's used correctly. Um, so yeah, it's uh, that's one for Jones to figure out. That's how he's got to earn his money is by seeing what he can maximise uh, within the squad. Um, it's quite interesting. We're being linked before the window shuts with a 20-year-old Ghanaian winger from Rennes in France. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, France isn't a bad place to... The French League's not, never a bad place to do your shopping because a lot of good players have come out of there and apparently he's very highly rated, but they're saying that he's the player we need. I don't think he is. He's a winger who scored one goal. I was like, well, that we, we've got those players. We've got wingers who score one goal. Like that's... <laughs> um, so, I mean, I'm... I think we need a centre forward and we need a, a centre forward with some presence, but I don't know if they're actually going to go out and buy that before the end of the window, which is stressing me out because I think that's what we need to give us a chance of uh, of staying up. We've got wingers, you know, we've got Orsic, we've got Gineppo, we've got El Yanusi, we've got Adozi, um, we've got plenty of these guys. We we don't need any of that. Armstrong can play, Adam Armstrong can play on the wing as well, or Rebo can play on the wing. Um, we don't need you guys. We need an actual centre forward who's going to score more goals than Mara or Shea Adams do, which is like two or three at the moment each. Yeah, I need to buy some goals. Yeah. Uh, you guys used to have Shane Long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw him play against. Uh, he was playing for Reading. He came on as a sub. Uh, so I was like, "Oh, Shane Long." I said, <laughs> "Oh, Southampton. That's where he, this is where he ended up at Reading." And yeah, Reading was his. Reading was the club he established himself at in England. He mm. came over from Ireland and he played for Reading for quite a few years. And geographically, Reading and Southampton aren't too far apart. So mm-hmm. um, when he obviously he got sort of too old for Premier League football, it was a nice move for him because it meant that he could just go back to his old club, not have to move his family um, and uh, go back there. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I like Shane Long. He's a good guy and a good player. So yeah, hopefully he winds yeah, out his couldn't... career. He couldn't put the ball in the back of the net for y'all. <laughs> he couldn't, but he worked his ass off whenever he played. And yeah. you know, we, st- we still functioned as a team when he was mm-hmm. there because he was mainly an impact player. We weren't relying on him and just him for goals, which is what we're doing at the moment with with Adams, really, and to a lesser extent, Mara. So, mm-hmm. All right. Is there anything else we should talk about before we go? Man City you know, Arsenal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was kind of a little underwhelming. Mm. I thought that uh, Arsenal would take this game a little bit more serious. They made six changes. And even though those are kind of quality players they had in there, like Tyranny. And uh, is that name? Is this name Vieira, the, 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 the Portuguese guy? Yeah, Fabio Vieira. Fabio Vieira. Like, you know, they, they haven't played in a minute like Vieira, so you, you're probably not going to see the best of him in a in a game like this. And, and, and it was a 
back and forth game. Arsenal actually might have played better, but you could see that they've lost the intensity in this game compared to like all their games before, like the players that they... And, and, and here's my problem with how Arsenal approached this game. Everybody you didn't start the game with came into the game anyway. Everybody. So just start the game with them and go for it and beat them. Like you played the people anyway that you didn't want to play. So that was kind of frustrating. And I just wanted Arsenal to like go for it and try to beat Man City and knock them out or something. So it's just, so now Arsenal is just in the Europa League which, and, and they have the league. And I, I feel like you should try to stay in all those competitions as hard as possible because, nah? Nah, because, I, uh, think, I think all Arsenal fans care about is the league this season and but, it's, a br- it's a brutal schedule with the Europa League as well. You don't want to be in all those competitions, more games. Their squad isn't as deep as, I mean, this game showed, like it's not as deep as they'd like it to be. They're buying right now. They're buying people right now. I just saw like... <laughs> yeah, they're buying, but I mean, a couple of injuries they and might, that, that, they got problems. They might have three new players by the time we end this podcast. <laughs> no, they're not Chelsea. Yeah. I mean, they're turning into it. <laughs> like I just saw this thing. Let me see. On, on the one football app. I didn't even know. Let me see who... So they're trying to get Saicedo. They've already made a few deals. Chelsea stole a few people from them, like Mudrick. And let me see. I mentioned see earlier, I thought, I, thought, I thought Trossard looked good in this game. He was creating a lot of chances um, right. down, down that left side. So um, he, looks, he looks like he'll be a useful buy for them. Yeah. Arsenal target, Ivan... Fresneda left out of real Violet squad. And this is four hours ago. So they're like still on it. Speaking of Chelsea, <laughs> Chelsea reopens talks to sign Enzo Fernandez before transfer deadline. <laughs> so I guess they're going to sign him to a 10 year contract so that they can actually make that work. <laughs> We learn those installment payments again. Yeah, back back to layaway. <laughs> so, yeah, I felt like I was a little disappointed in Arsenal, but it was fun to see the Arsenal fans at the comedy store and tease them. But then they would try to play it <laughs> off like it it, it, it. it wasn't fun because they're like, right, we don't care about that. Right. Yeah. All right. Like I said, the, the league's got to be the priority for them. If they, you know, if they got players injured in cup games and it cost them in the league, I think they'd be kicking themselves. Like it's. But what if, what if they don't win the league, and they could have won that, and they don't win the Europa League? I think they want to give themselves the best chance in the league. I think they'd rather have a shot at that. I mean, winning those two competitions doesn't really mean anything in the grand scheme of things. It's not a season that someone remembers really. If they win either of those things, whereas winning the league is monumental. And, you know, for all Arsenal know, United will be stronger next season. Liverpool could come back next season. Chelsea could come back next season. Spurs might hire a good manager. Um, Who knows? So they could be back to being 
you know, just a top six team next season. So you've got to go for it when it's your season and take your chance because if they win the league this season and get back in the Champions League, all of a sudden in the summer, they can attract even more world-class players because they want to play for Arsenal again. Whereas, you know, if they blow the league and finish third or second and then next season they drop back down again because they couldn't attract, you know, those top players. I mean, I, th- I think I think Arsenal are back here to stay as a top four team now, but you never know. So, I mean, they've got to try and, you know, strike while the iron's hot and and go all out for the league this year because it's the best chance they've had in a long time of winning it. And I think the league will be tougher next season. Yeah, it should be tougher next season. But, you know, I don't know if we've given predictions lately for who's going to win the league. I think I said on the last podcast or the one before, that I feel like Arsenal is going to win the league. But something today made me feel like City's going to catch them and pass them. It's a hard call to make at the moment. It's a hard call because, yeah, I think City are also got some real focus on the Champions League this season as well. I don't know if when the Champions League restarts, that's going to hold them back a little bit as well. And obviously their form's been inconsistent recently anyway. Um, so yeah I think Pep like because that's the one stick people beat him with at City mm-hmm. um, and in general he's not he's never won the Champions League outside of uh, Barca mm-hmm. so I think he's desperate to win the Champions League and I think that's where a lot of his focus will go I mean they're not obviously going to not try and win the league as well um, mm-hmm. I think for his for his legacy I think he's desperate to win the Champions League and I think that'll be their priority I wish that was a stick people beat me with. Ah, <laughs> you've never won the Champions League. You only won when you were with Barca. <laughs> Please beat me with that. <laughs> I mean, it's a good position to be in, but I mean, yeah, for someone with standards as high as his, then mm-hmm. he he's gonna he's he probably takes it personally. Yeah, yeah, he does. Is there anything else you think we should cover on this one? Uh, not that I can think of no just see how those uh, we discussed those Carabao Cup games that are coming up the semi-finals and uh, I guess we can pick the bones out of that Thursday <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. see if my uh, pessimism was warranted <laughs> hopefully not you lost Fingers by crossed. one you, you're <laughs> right in there huge deficits in other tournaments have been turned around you could they have. pull a Saudi Arabia beat goddamn <laughs> the World Cup champs, bro. You guys yeah. are not that far apart as Saudi Arabia was from goddamn Argentina. You got a chance, more than a chance. You should actually bet on it because if you win, you win big both ways. Yeah. I mean, I just see it as, you know, Newcastle are a team who don't concede and we're a team who don't score. So. <laughs> that doesn't add up to me. <laughs> they barely scored this game. <laughs> but we didn't score, and I don't think we'll score up there. So. No, you didn't. You didn't score. You're right. <clears throat> I don't know. I'm, I'm, watch, I'm watching. I'm, I'm watching that, uh, you know, with the full positivity towards <laughs> Southampton. I'm glad one of us is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, all right, Joe. Thanks for uh, watching and thanks for listening. Uh, again, I got shows. Go to my Instagram at Ian Edwards Comic and hit up the link in the bio 
for my link tree. It'll lead you to all the shows. The latest one coming up, the, 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 the closest one, it is the Hereafter in Seattle on February 11th. Two shows, one at 7 and one at 9 p.m. So I'll see you guys there. Anything? Uh, nope. I'll, uh, nope. I'll see you in three weeks, so. <laughs> all right, fam. <laughs> all right, fam. Thank you all for listening. Take care of yourselves. One love. Thanks for watching. <laughs>